Message from Starfleet Command, top priority. You are listening to the Trek Ranks Podcast, a member of the Tricorder Transmissions Podcast Network. This is episode 164, featuring the top five Strange New Worlds season two moments. Welcome, Star Trek fans. I am Jim Morehouse. I'm the host of the Trek Ranks podcast, and tonight we are doing another season recap show. It's the 13th time we've broken down a new season of Star Trek since 2018, and I couldn't be more excited to talk about what is now one of my all-time favorite seasons of Star Trek. Spoiler alert. It is. It just, it simply is. It's the top five Strange New World season two moments. And why are we singing? It's going to be a lot of that. It's going to be a lot of that today. Hopefully, uh, my guests will join me a little bit in the singing. And we have two amazing guests joining us for the great topic, Exploring Strange New Worlds. First up, he's making his seventh overall appearance on Trek Ranks tonight. But actually, it's his eighth because we're going to have a temporal inversion. He's going to be on our live show from Vegas that we've already recorded. That's coming in a couple of weeks. But currently, this is uh, number seven by as the as the calendar rolls. It's our friend from Internment Camp 371 on an asteroid in the Australian Expanse. It's Jamie McGregor. Welcome, Jamie. G'day, Jim. Uh, and uh, thanks for the invite to be uh, on an episode of Trek Ranks focusing on what uh, surely everyone agrees is one of the best seasons of Star Trek ever. Like, what a, what a sensational season it was. So great. Uh, very happy to be talking about it. Okay, you haven't sung yet, but we're going we're going to hold you to it. So, second up, hailing us from the original Northwest Passage in the Washington State sector, it's her first time on the show after responding to our survey calibration request that we sent out a couple of months ago. It's Paige Thatcher. Welcome, Paige. Hi. Thanks. I'm so excited to be here. I can't wait to have you on and talk about Strange New World. So, Paige, for our first time guest, we'd like to get a quick Trek origin story to kind of see where your Trek story started. So what is your backstory on Trek? How'd you get into it? Have you seen it all? And what's your favorites? Let us know. Sure. So I started off with the original, thanks to my dad. Um, He's a huge Star Trek fan. And in the mornings before work, he used to watch reruns um, while he was eating his breakfast. So I would catch like the end of a lot of episodes. Um, and I remember the first time I was ever like truly affected and interested was at the end of a mock time where I knew enough about Spock at that point to knew that his reaction was not normal to, to Kirk being alive. And that really drew me in. And so, uh, yeah, my dad and I watched all of the original series together. I started waking up early before school to watch the reruns with him. And we watched everything. We watched TNG, Deep Space Nine, Voyager. Some of those we had to literally go to the library and rent one season at a time to be able to watch them. People have no idea how difficult that was back in the day. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, yeah, but we just had, you know, it was a great way for us to bond growing up. So I love that me and my dad both love Star Trek. So, That's And awesome. yeah, I've watched all the new stuff. I am a completist. I am a huge, huge fan. And yeah. So excited to be here. Awesome. Okay, if you had to pick one series, what would be your favorite today? You could change tomorrow. It's got to be Deep Space Nine. Yep. Oh, yeah. Right. The yes. usual response, yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But uh, but no wrong answers. All right. Going to be an awesome show. Let's get into our quick Trek Ranks recalibration. You can recalibrate the regulators now. Will do. 
Okay, the Trek Ranks Charter has two clauses. One, we rank Trek so we can have a fun conversation about Star Trek. And two, the ranks don't matter. We just use them as the framework to have a deep dive conversation about all the things we love about Trek. And as the Vulcan Master likes to tell us... Infinite diversity. In infinite combinations. There are no wrong answers at Trek Ranks. This show is about sharing the things we love about Trek, and we love it all. From TOS to TNG, straight through to Enterprise, and the Kelvin timeline, now Discovery, Picard, Strange New World, Short Treks, Lower Decks, and Prodigy as well. It's all fair game here on the Trek Ranks podcast. Black Alert. Black Alert. And a reminder that this episode of Trek Ranks is current through the conclusion of Star Trek Strange New World's amazing second season and the episode Hegemony that... That's 893 episodes of Star Trek across the past 57 years. Hailing frequencies open. Thank you, Mr. Worf. You can hail me directly on Twitter at TrekRanks or at Enterprise Nextra, and you can see our extensive rankings of all the Treks at TrekRanks.com. And don't forget, you can call and leave us a message with your own picks at 609-512-LLAP. That's 609-512-5527. Okay, Jamie and Paige, let everybody know how they can get a hold of you on subspace. Jamie. Uh, on X? Do I have to say that? <laughs> no, you can say Do Twitter. I have to say that? Twitter. Oh, Twitter. Yeah, right. Um, I'm at uh, jmac underscore ref, R-E-F, and uh, also now on threads, uh, Jamie underscore MCG. Okay, and Paige, how about you? I am at Power of Math on the same. Okay, and... All right, we're going to, oh yeah, we're going to run our diagnostic cycle and get into today's show right now. Computer, run a level two diagnostic. All right, as always, we are using our Trek Ranks matrix to break it all down. So this week, we're not picking just five random items that we want to highlight as our top five moments or episodes or whatever. We're doing our, we're categorizing everything a little bit to break down Strange New World season two. So in round five, if you heard us before, we're doing our favorite production design element that can be anything like your favorite ship or a prop or costume or score or anything round four we're going to choose our creative mvp so it could be an actor or someone on the production team whoever you think is like the mvp of the season behind the scenes round three is the dabo round it's a complete wild card round you can pick anything you want round two is your favorite character and then round one is clear is what we do on trek ranks it is your favorite episode of the season and then we'll get a few secondary systems picks for some of our outliers. Okay, let's get into our Prime Directive now. Do they know about Prime Directive? They know everything I know, sir. And you're about to know everything we know about our Prime Directive. So, Jamie, let's start with you. How did you define your your picks and, and finalize your, your list? Pretty simple, really. Um, I haven't done a season recap show before, uh, so all of my previous... Uh, whatever it was, seven appearances have been generic topics, general topics across all of Trek. So uh, with this one, I'm taking it completely face value, um, just what it says. And, uh, you know, maybe in the future I'll get more tricky. And for the secondary systems, I've got a second pick for each category. Okay, awesome. And Paige, how about you, your first prime directive? Yeah, I just did a full rewatch over the last few days and I uh... – I had to narrow down some of them. Some of them, it was hard to choose, but some of them, it was pretty clear which one I needed to choose. So you just went with your gut. With Sounds my like. gut. Yep. I love it. Okay. And then for usually for me with these recap shows, I start looking at the picks that let me cover the most ground, the most episodes, so I can pack as much as I can into them. And then I always 
look back to at previous seasons so I don't repeat myself. So I'm not picking Melissa Navia or Neota Uhura tonight as part of my creatives or character picks. And I'm also not picking visual effects. That was my production choice last season. And I'm staying away from Spock's love life because amazingly I picked that in season one when it clearly would still be a great pick here in season two. Note to self, I am not staying away from Spock's love life. (laughs) That will feature prominently in my picks. So that is my prime directive. All right, let's get into it. Third Ramadicon, introduce us to the order of things. I am a Jem'Hadar. He is a Vorta. It is the order of things. Thank you, Third Ramadicon. As always, we'll start with our five-word summary and the hashtag to tease our picks, and then we'll each reveal our choices for our Strange New World Season 2 moments and the reasons we're highlighting it. And, of course, we'll pick one episode to associate with that pick. And after getting through five rounds, we'll get a few secondary system selections from everyone. Remember, if we have any duplicate picks, make sure you listen for the Defiant Torpedo. Okay, Jamie, we're starting with you. What's your number five pick? Top five Strange New World Season 2 moments, production design element. Okay, five words. Slow burn before classic homage. Hashtag gore gone gone. (laughs) I think I screwed that up. I'm going to try that again. Do it again, but then maybe I'll leave it in. Hashtag gore gone gone. (laughs) And my pick is the production design of the Gorn. And uh, uh, I'll pick hegemony for that, uh, obviously. And I have, uh, to be honest, I wasn't 100% sure about the design of the Gorn through watching um, season one and then into Mm -hmm. season two. And I saw the ready room with Will Wheaton uh, after Hegemony, and I, I I was just kind of captivated by the decision they've made to take their time with the hatchlings, the younglings, and now they've built up to the adult Gorn. And I just I am tickled pink by the concept of uh, the fact that in Arena we had a guy in a rubber suit. And 56 years later, it's a guy in a rubber suit. And uh, I just absolutely love that, that they have paid homage to that particular character in that way, yet they've been able to do, uh, to, to update it, uh, but, you know, pay respects to what the Gorm was originally. And now having seen the different takes on the different ages of the creature, uh, we now see, a, a you know, uh, an adult Gorn that is much more like uh, what we saw previously, and I think there is going to be more to the story in part two of the of the um, of the cliffhanger. So, anyway, my pick is the Gorn. Uh, I love what they've done with it, and uh, I'm excited to see what happens in uh, when the cliffhanger resolves. That's the beauty of it too. We don't even know how it resolves. Um, I love this pick. This is so good. And not only did they do a guy in a rubber suit, but they did a Gorn and a guy in a rubber suit, and they did the slow motion fight again. Because it's in zero zero G. Zero G. So yeah. it's an homage, not only it's an homage to everything from Arena that they're actually having this fight and it's slow motion again. I also love how much they've um they've used practical effects and puppetry compared yeah. to just complete CGI. I, and you know, after the world went sort of too far in one direction, I think with CGI in a lot of these, um, yeah. you know, franchises to to kind of go back to we what we know looks better, which I think is the actual puppetry kind of. Uh, anyway, I just love it. Absolutely, Paige. What's your take on the Gorn this season? Wow, they look so so good. Yeah, and 
one thing I love that they've uh, maintained from what we've seen from the Gorn in the past is just the amount of menace that they instill right. or that they make everyone around them feel. And um, it's just, wow, it's so palpable. You can see it on the actors' faces. And I mean, just that scene with Jess Bush trying to hide from the Gorn that was trying to get into the computer. Oh, my God. Just... I'm yeah. a horror movie fan, and that scene just struck those horror beats for me, and it was so, so good. Oh, that's awesome. You're right. That's such a great call about uh, that scene with Jess Bush in the corridor. It was so well done, where she thinks it's Spock, and then she's, like, easing back. Mm-hmm. The, and and you said the right word, menace. These gore just feel terrifying. And, yeah, I love this design. It looks really 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 impressive so yeah they are scary no matter how slow they move (laughs) exactly 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 right okay let's go to your number five pick production design page what do you got sure my five words are cropped you've done it again and my hashtag is details are noticed yes and it is the costuming throughout this whole season um i love 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 the costumes and i have a few favorites that i can share in the Broken Circle, I'm a huge fan of the Away Mission outfits, in particular yeah. Chapel's outfit and Mbenga's outfit. Wow, they look so good and so unique, different from each other. Um, and the Klingon outfits, oh, all the details on those Klingon outfits are just so much fun. Yeah, I love the dress uniforms in at Astra Perispera. And every single dress that Una's lawyer wears is gorgeous. <laughs> oh, wow. I love the matching outfit scene in Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. One of us is going to have to change and it's not going to be La'an. So smart. Wow, that was so much fun. <laughs> and um, let's see. Oh, charades. Charades is going to be my pick for this because I am a sucker for some Vulcan clothing. Um, I love Tupring's dress and Pearl's dress. Wow. So incredible with the face framing piece. And yeah, because she had that high because her mom had that high neck thing, right? Yes. Yeah. And then to to Prince dress is like a work of art. It's like unbelievable. So gorgeous and structured. I just love both those dresses. Yeah. Um, and all of Amanda's dresses as well are just gorgeous. There's a small scene in charades as well where Chapel or Tegas and Laon are um having drinks at the bar and their layman's outfits are so fun. I love them. It's very small, but those were such a cute touch. I have to I have to check that out of camera. They were in casuals there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. at the very beginning when she's practicing for her interview. It's right. they're such cool clothes. And then I have to call out Pike's green uniform. I am a huge fan of Kirk's green uniform, and I yeah. love what they've done with Pike's. So good. The the wraparound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It. The lower decks uniforms um, from those old scientists. Oh, wow. The details on the boots. Are you kidding? They look so good. <laughs> and, and they made them with like, I, I, I'm not smart enough to remember what the material is, but it's like some kind of like pseudo web suit material that keeps them straight. So they get that. So they look like they're kind of from the animated world. So smart. Yeah. I remember hearing that. Yeah. Which is yeah. so awesome. And then the last thing is all the details in Subspace Rhapsody um, for the Klingon warrior outfits, the boots and the the sashes and their belts. Oh, wow. They look so good. Oh, my God. And the K-pop. Yes, of course. Yes. Gotta (laughs) love it. Good Klingon boy band. That's so good. And uh, I like, so your five word summary was great. Croft, you've done it again, which is, of course, a shout out to Bernadette Croft, the amazing costume designer for 
Strange New Worlds. Jamie, what's your take on all the incredible costumes this season? Wow. Couldn't agree more. And I was just thinking, Paige, in my mind of some of the things that stood out to me, and you just tick them off one after another <laughs> after another. I'm like, yep, okay. Yeah. You've, you've got all the ones that jump out to me. Uh, again, I don't want to sound, sound like a, a Paramount shill, but uh, watching some of the behind-the-scenes featurettes on the Ready Room have been amazing, especially the way that they created, you know, to Pring's dress in particular. I was like, my gosh, they spent so much time doing this. Now, did 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 this group of people win an Emmy or something, Jim? Do you no. know? And if not, no. why not? And they, why not? and they haven't been nominated. And don't even get me started on the Emmys and the way they view Star Trek. And it's no longer even a genre thing because, and sorry, people are going to get annoyed with me. The Mandalorian, it's fine. It's it's a fine show. It got nominated for Best Drama Series the first and second season. Sorry, that's, I'm probably going to cut this out. That's ridiculous. <laughs> That's ridiculous. It's not. That is some bullshit. It's not right that there. good, and it's because of Star Wars and the legacy and the the way so many people connect to Star Wars and not Star Trek, which I get. That's a different thing. But to pretend like Strange New Worlds isn't miles ahead of where the Mandalorian is. Sorry, it's not. That's not debatable. I love Mandalorian. Maybe I'm not going to cut this out. Sorry, Paige. <laughs> defend the Mandalorian. Do it. No, no, no. I won't. My opinion is not that strong on which is better. So I will let you. I will let you have this. But I do love Mandalorian. I, well. I mean, I like watching it too. Although I couldn't get through the end of season three, but every episode was like kind of the same setup, right? Like. Okay, they're going on. It's another <laughs> quest thing. And, uh, anyway, that part I'm definitely cutting out. I'm not that big a dick. Not <laughs> did they win? Did they win best no, costumes though? No, but the fact that they got nominated for drama series two years in a row kills me. Absolutely. I mean, alongside Succession and you know these kind of shows, and I get it. Star Trek's never going to get nominated for that again. Although it was season seven of TNG way back in the day. Okay, we'll see how much of that makes it into the show. Morehouse ranting. Okay, fantastic pick page. My favorite thing about it is how many costumes you rattled off because I love covering a lot of ground in these episodes, and you just did that. So, okay, let's go to my round five pick production design, five words and a hashtag. Once more with subspace folds, hashtag all systems stable. I told you I'm going to be singing a lot. Why do I do this? On all the singing episodes, I do this. It is the musical, just the musical, and the production choice to do a musical, Subspace Rhapsody. I just love this choice. They finally did it. Star Trek finally has a musical episode, and they the fact that they pulled it off at this level and truly made it feel like Star Trek's version of Buffy's Once More with Feeling, which is not a throwaway episode, but a ground groundbreaking episode of Buffy and where all this stuff happens, all these reveals, all these character developments. So they, they've done that here. It's not, a, it's not silly. It's not a comedy. It's an incredible episode that moves plot and characters forward, you know, just in really emotional ways. And it's just brilliant. And it's got, you know, everything from how it impacts Spock and Chapel's breakup and that great Dr. Corby reference. And I just love it all. And my favorite songs were the first one and the last one, Status Report, and We Are One. So, Jamie, what's your take on the musical and what was your favorite song? 
um okay uh, this is probably not the only time we're going to talk about the musical so probably can... not but i'm ready um so let's okay uh, you're ready i'm ready <laughs> you so, earned it let's say uh <laughs> obviously uh it was sensational like it, right. it was such a genius decision to finally bite the bullet and do it you can you just know that there have been star trek writers rooms for years now that we've got the new show and someone somewhere has gone should we do the musical and right. someone someone has said oh no we can't do it whatever and these guys just went yep we're gonna do it and and not only did they do the musical but they said you know what we're gonna wait until we have an episode that requires the emotional catharsis of like several uh, art season long arcs all coalescing and all resolving at the same time. Like that is an amazing decision to say uh, we're gonna we're gonna put the uh, musical episode in such a crucial part in, in such a crucial spot in the season. It's not a throwaway, as you said. Yeah. Uh, my favorite. Uh, quote about this was Henry Alonzo Meyer said something along the lines of, uh, I woke up one morning and said, you know what? We're going to have the, everyone's going to expect the musical to be a kind of jaunty, you know, throwaway right. kind of thing. Uh, and instead we're going to give, it's going to be heart wrenching and serious and emotional. And that's going to, and that's going to catch people unawares. And it certainly caught me unawares. And, uh, but I'm so glad they did it that way. Perfect summary. Paige, what's your take? Yeah, really well said. And I've already said I'm a horror fan. Probably my second favorite genre of movies are musicals. I <laughs> love, love musicals. And I would say my favorite songs are How Would That Feel and Keep Us Connected. I love a power ballad. And Christina Chong and Celia Gooding really knocked it out of the park with those two. Wow, I love those songs. I've had it stuck in my head for days at this point. They are so, so good. An instant classic. Absolutely, same. And I, I love that horror and musical are your favorite genres. It's, uh, <laughs> it was a good season for me. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, that's 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 a relief because my favorite uh, genres are uh, gritty war classic and courtroom <laughs> drama. So between the two of us, we're all good. How about farcical yeah. uh, comedies and uh, bang up action adventures? They're that's- right up there too. Okay, what a joy! I love it. Okay, round four. Uh, MVP creative or performer or actor, Jamie, what do you got? Well, let's just keep riding the wave. So my five words are seti eel is less effective, hashtag unexpected earworm. And I'm picking Tom Polche and uh, Kay Hanley, the songwriters of Subspace Rhapsody, as my creative pick. And I just think they did an amazing job. They're, they're from this band, Letters to Cleo, that, to be honest, I'd never heard of because um, that's not really – alternative rock is not really my genre. But yeah. uh, to be to be honest, when we first watched – or when I first watched the episode, Jim, it was using uh, the Rio Las Vegas uh, television speakers, uh, which don't exactly give you the best audio. And then we were kind of – then I, I watched it the second time streaming on a laptop. And I'll be honest, I, I don't – think I really heard the lyrics perfectly until I downloaded the album and got the songs into my brain and could hear the lyrics better. For example, I, I had no idea about Spock's song where the X is part of the equation, you know, he kind of yeah. solves for Y and and the X kind of thing is that's where that's part of it. Cause I just didn't pick it up with the with the lyrics clearly. And since I've been listening to the album, downloading it like a you know proper Trek fan, uh download the, the soundtrack album. Uh, it 
it has absolutely earwormed its way into my brain. And uh, a bit like Paige was saying, I've, I've been humming the songs for several days now, and it's uh, it's actually getting to the point, point where it's now annoying. I'm like, I can't get this song out of my head. <laughs> so uh, at any rate, the two, the two songwriters, I think, knocked it out of the park. They did a lot of work in prep because they had to fix – the way I think about it is they had to work with the vocal ranges of the actors, um, you know, which were variable. And they also have to work with the script writers to get everything perfect because this was the culmination of the season, as we were just talking about. So that doesn't just happen. And the fact that I love the songs uh, and it was perfect in the show, I just want to give props to the, the two songwriters. Yeah, that's perfect. Alternative music is my genre. And Letters to Cleo is a great little band. So I was really confident when I heard they were doing this and they crushed it. My favorite songs are the ones that utilize so much of the Star Trek elements like uh, Status Report and We Are One. And I Am The X is one of those, too, because it's really Spock talking about the equation and then also uh, his breakup and how it's changing him and how he's realizing some of the choices he needs to make moving forward. Incredible work. Total earworms, also rattling around in my brain. Paige, what's your? Let's, let's keep talking about this incredible musical. Let's never stop. It is so much fun. <laughs> um, one thing I'll say while we're talking about I'm the X is that I love how um, the, melodically it's very similar to I'm Ready, and yeah. the, um, the the like structure of the song is super similar. But one of them is in a major key, and it's super upbeat and just fun instrumentation. And the other one is more dour and in a minor key. And just with uh, Ethan Peck's deep voice, it's just, it hits so hard. And I love, love, I mean, shout out to those creators because they just really crushed that. Yeah, it, it it's so impressive. I, I love too that the first line from each song is the same, right? This news really right. changes everything. And then Chapel starts about her dreams coming true and then spock talks about how wrong he's been <laughs> i can't believe how wrong i've been <laughs> oh heartbreaking this news really changes everything a distant dream becoming real This news really changes everything I can't believe how wrong I've been Lyrically brilliant. Wow. Absolutely. Okay. My guess is we might still talk about it some more. Okay. Uh, what's your number four, round four pick page for your MVP creative? Okay. Um, my five words are the war is over, Joseph. And my hashtag is yes, but how can it ever be? Mm. Um, and my choice is Babs Olusan Mokan. Um, and wow, um, I think that his performance has just been stellar throughout this whole season. I love, I loved his performance from season one and everything we learned about Mbenga's character, everything with his daughter and his relationship to her, so touching. And this season has just added a lot of really different layers and it's just really creating this full picture of Mbenga. And at the center of that is this incredible actor who is taking everything that they throw at them, at him and just, just killing it. So he's nailed pretty much every action scene that he's been in. The Protocol 12 scene is just a standout in my mind. Oh, yeah. And the Klingon Judah, what is that? Makbara? Yeah, the Makbara. Yep. Wow. The amount of physical and mental chess going on in that 
scene is just outstanding. And let's see, I love that we still get to see how great of a doctor he is, that he has just the greatest bedside manner. And um, I love the way in particular that he takes care of Uhura with so much empathy and humor in Lost in Translation. He is just the best doctor. And he's also really great in uh, war times, right? We see him really be able to triage like an expert. And he's just crushing it. <laughs> and did you pick Under the Cloak of War? I Yeah, I feel like yeah. I have to because it yeah. really showcases his acting chops. And he just has a lot of really complicated and demanding scenes. And his acting is incredible. Yeah, he's uh, he's amazing. And I love, I mean, you've laid out everything in terms of the the weight of his performance this season. Just really incredible. And then I I love how game he was singing because c- clearly singing is not his thing, right? Uh, in the yeah. musical, but but I'm sorry, every line he has is a standout to me. Especially one of my favorites, which is "Oh, left ankle sprain," mm-hmm. <laughs> which uh, I just love that in Status Report. A headache, a splinter, a left ankle sprain. It's happening again. Why are we singing? Jamie, what's your take on Babs in uh, in this uh, season? Gotta love Babs. Uh, has done a, an amazing job with the material he's been given. He brings a, a real level of gravitas to the role that I think is is particularly impressive. Uh, obviously, we, we, we've spoken about the stuff that I, I think he was chosen for some of these fight scenes because once he got cast, he was like, oh, you know, by the way, I'm actually a really – Right. Very well trained fighter, um, which uh, uh, they've done a great job in in molding that into his his character. Um, you know, a, a character still feeling the effects of the Klingon War, um, and uh, in particular around um, under the cloak of war being the the episode that was picked. Uh, I think there is a certain level of authenticity that he brings to the role as well. Just um, talking to uh, you know, as as you had said, we've just been in Vegas, and I was catching up with. Um, uh, mutual friend John Krikorian, who's a uh, um, uh, worked in the in in the armed forces previously, and you know he just said, "I knew people like that." You know this this resonated with me, and uh, you know that's not a world I'm part of, so I, I don't have an opinion on that. But I trust people who do, who say, "You know what? This was authentic. This was, you know, there are I know people exactly like that uh, who have been affected in that way." So um, anyway, great great job. Yeah, it's and funny a, and a great pick. And that's an episode. That episode really stuck with me. I. I've I've gone back to it as much as almost any episode this season because just think the performance from Babs Olus and Moken is really really impressive, so good. That's such a great pick, Pace. I'm so glad you picked. I think that episode is massively underrated yeah. across the board. So yeah, I think so too. Especially like the last scene with Pike, just those two going back and forth with each other on. Yeah, and they're both they have so much respect for each other, but just don't see eye to eye on this. So. Yeah, I like that scene because I think there's a moment where he tells Chris, he says to Chris, and I can't remember the exact line, but he tells him exactly what he did. And yeah. then he kind of, and then the tone changes a little bit. And now he's talking to his captain and he's being a little more, I mean, it, all the language is ambiguous, but when he's talking to Chris, he's telling him exactly what happened. And I have no issues with it. I think it's fantastic. Great stuff. I didn't start the fight, Chris. This whole situation, it's, it's complicated. Is it? Ra was living a lie. I saw his true face. 
What if I told you he murdered children? Not his men. He did it. What if I started to fight then? Would that be so bad? Even if he had secrets, there's due process. That's why we have tribunals. The diplomatic corps knew who he was, and they still let him represent the Federation. The Federation believes everyone deserves a second chance. What about justice? What about the victims? Doesn't everyone deserve to pay for their actions? So who decides? Hmm? Who pays and who gets redemption? Where's the line? <laughs> You're right, Chris. We've known each other for a very long time. See eye to eye on most things. But you haven't lived my life. You have the privilege of believing in what's best in people. Me? I happen to know there's some things in this world that don't deserve forgiveness. What do you say? I told you I didn't start the fight. But I'm glad he's dead. Okay, so that that was just like a season of Stranger Worlds. We went from subspace rhapsody to under the cloak of war. Start to, these tones are incredible. So we're gonna go flip the other way again. I'm going with a real basic pick here for my creative number four. He's the MVP of the season, right in front of our eyes, the center of almost all the key elements, and just an amazing uh, actor. Five words and a hashtag. He's the sweet unvulcan Vulcan hashtag with some serious pipes, and it's Ethan Peck. And my episode is charades. And I was putting my notes together for this, and I actually felt like, man, if I, I feel like I've picked him before. So I went back and checked Discovery Season 2, and I had picked Spock as my MVP of Discovery Season 2. So I said, all right, I'm, I'm doing it again because Ethan Peck is just too incredible this season. And it was Pelia that called him the sweet unvulcan Vulcan in the broken circle. I love that line. And it really did a good job of kind of launching this season is kind of a Spock season where we're told right from the outset that he's struggling to figure things out. And you see that in that episode, he has all these emotions coming to the forefront. He's stealing the enterprise. He's trying to save chapel at the end. It's uh, he's very emotional. He, he tells uh no i can't remember who it is now maybe it was babs but that he's basically doesn't know how to handle his the feelings that he has for yeah. uh for chapel when she's almost dies it's really incredible and then you get lost in translation and those old scientists and subspace rhapsody and and of course the episode i'm picking is charades with the scenes with amanda and mia kirshner are just incredible to praying and to prill and Every, every all the stuff with chapel is just great great stuff and and the kiss at the end is absolutely epic so i just love it and uh and the acting here where he's laughing and learning to be human with pike and laughing with ortegas and uhura and una i love it it's epic uh Paige, what's your take on spock or ethan peck in uh, charades and every, the whole season yeah this is a pick i seriously considered making I thought I could pick Spock for favorite character or Ethan Peck for yeah. favorite actor. And I really thought about it because he is, when I first heard they were recasting Spock for Discovery, I was skeptical. I thought, I don't know if I have room in my heart for another Spock. Right. But I did. <laughs> he is just so good. I love his performance and how he's 
you know, got his own flair, but he pays so much respect to the actors that came before him. And um, yeah, I love that he drinks blood wine and he makes <laughs> Raffaino. And um, I love his vigorous practicing and on his instrument that Amanga gave him. And charades is just such a perfect choice because all human Spock was just such a delight to watch on screen. And I love how it deepened his relationship with Amanda and how he can finally see what she's gone through. Wow. Um, all of those levels to his performance are just incredible. And that final scene where he stands up to Tapril just gets me every time. It's, it's, oh, yeah. It's- yeah. He, he breaks it down for Tapril. Jamie, what's your take? Ethan Peck. Amazing. And, uh, you know, one of my favorite moments at um, at Vegas was seeing Ethan Peck on stage with Zach Quinto yeah. and uh, the two of them, because it's so weird because, of course, they were cast because they kind of look roughly like Spock, you know, right. uh, and and yet and, and also just temperamentally, they're very thoughtful, very intelligent, hugely well-spoken. Um, and it was, the, but it was kind of seeing a reflection of through a through a weird mirror kind of thing it was it, it was it was so much fun to watch and he is obviously doing an amazing job upholding the uh legacy of of Leonard Nimoy and Zachary Quinto and uh I I think it's a great pick yeah that was not one of my favorite moments from STV that was easily my favorite moment that panel it was a it was a Zachary Quinto panel and then Ethan Peck joined for the last half unexpectedly and it was beautiful to see the way they both respected each other and the character and the legacy of Star Trek. And we are a lucky, lucky franchise to have both those guys portraying Spock uh, in the future. And I'm confident at some point, Zachary Quinto will do it again. And he's uh, every bit as deserving of the praise that the others received too. So great stuff. Okay. Let's go to the Davo round. It's our wild card round. Jamie, what's your number three pick? Okay, Dabo. Dabo! <laughs> My five words are true Scotsman is no fallacy. Uh, hashtag doing peg mashup. And my Dabo round pick is Martin Quinn as Scotty. I absolutely loved his introduction to Fantastic. the series. Um, Such a good pick. Love the decision to add him in. Perfect introduction. Love the attitude with which he played the role. Love the interaction with Pelia. It's kind of got the best parts of both uh, in previous interpretations of Scotty, given we're now talking about, um, you know, legacy characters we love and how different people interpret them. And I can't wait to see what they do with him. And the the more I think about it, the more I don't really care if he come if he um, you know stays around for a bit, a little bit like what they've done with Kirk. That's kind of cool. If he disappears at the end of this two parter, that's also kind of cool. I'm okay with it, but I look forward to seeing what they do with him. And he, he being an actual Scotsman, um, uh, you know, I, I just thought this is this is a great casting choice. Uh, he did a great job in the show. And uh, anyway, that's my Darbo round pick. Fantastic deep cut. I love this. I mean, what a surprise. It was just so good. And he did such a great job. So a group of us did watch this. And the cheer in my hotel room when Scotty showed up was uh, palpable and exciting and amazing. That's and what I heard from across. Okay. <laughs> there you I, go. Now I get good it. Stuff, right. Good stuff. No. All right. Uh, Paige, what is your take on the surprise appearance of Scotty and Martin Quinn's performance? 
Oh, it just makes me so excited to see more. He, oh, I can just tell he's going to kill it. Such good casting. Um, and I love how they're already showing off what a genius he is. We know he's a miracle worker and they're showing that he always has been one. How did you escape? In a shuttle. You ran from the Gorn in a shuttle. How are you not dead? Uh, firstly, I, I jury rigged the engines to increase their capacity. And secondly, I, well, I figured out how to hide in plain sight. Sounds resourceful. And mysterious. When an armada of human-eating lizards come my way, I can get quite uh, creative. Mr. Scott. That was probably my favorite element, that in his first two scenes, he rattled off like three or four miracles that he just he just casually mentioned. Like, well, how did you get here? Oh, I just refigured this thing and made the engines more powerful. And then I created this transponder that hides us from the Gorn. Just brilliant. Just Really, really good. And I'm confident we're going to see him in season three consistently helping out Pelia. Just seems like too too much of an obvious setup. So I can't wait for the first timing joke, you know, that they're going to write. Yes. That's going to be great. Too. <laughs> That'll definitely be on the list of things they do. Okay. Dabo round page. What's your number three pick? Okay. Um, my fibers are um, old characters making new connections. Hashtag they are family. And my pick is just the deepening of connections between these characters that we've known for so long. And probably one of the uh, standout ones for me is just getting to see more of Pike's command style. He's such a good host. I love all the cooking scenes in the apron. Um, I love that we got to see him hold a briefing in his quarters in Subspace Rhapsody. Yeah. And um, I love that his ready room is not like his personal space. There's people in there using it when he's not even there. And um, he's rarely in there by himself. He's always there with someone else. And it's just a communal space. No one even knocks or asks permission to enter. They all just walk in. And that is so awesome. I love his command style. It's been so fun to see. Um, And some other characters that have had uh, some character building uh, in Benga and Chapel's bond that we've seen that they're they've been serving together forever and they just seem like they were born to do that to work together um una's trial wow i never thought we'd get background on number one i love everything we're getting about her um i love the kirk brothers and their sibling rivalry (laughs) what we get to see more of what is happening right now I'm not sure either. You're seriously not going to apologize? For what? For being extremely competent? For being a... Okay. You know what? Forget it. Go have fun on your stupid little ship. I'm going to be here on the flagship. (laughs) Well, that was something. Yeah, it's just Sam being Sam. Sometimes he can be uh, frustrating. Uh, that's been a lot of fun. Uh, Spock, his connection to his mother, which we already kind of talked about with in in charades, yeah. and then Spock and Chapel, Chapel's relationship. Let's let's bring that up, right? The yeah. the love continues, um, and uh, it's been so much fun to see how that fits into everything we know about TOS, and I would say it even enhances it and makes it make a lot of sense. Um, and I'm I'm loving that. We also see a lot of Uhura her family and how that affects her and her uh, ability to deal with death. And then shout out to Paul Wesley's Kirk, just so blown away with his performance as well. So good. He, he's incredible. What uh, what episode did you pick? 
Um, let's see. All of them. Let's see. What should I pick? Yeah. Mm. Trying to think. Where did you start? You started with Pike. Yeah. And the ready. Oh, you started with subs- I am subspace totally Rhapsody. comfortable picking Subspace Rhapsody. What a great episode. I would love to pick that episode. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I didn't mean to pick it for you. No, that is totally fine. I don't think I've picked that one yet. Spoiler alert. But yeah, let's pick that. That's good. I love this. My pick is very similar to this, but Jamie, I want to hear your your quick take on these deepening just character development of these characters we've known from TOS and known from, from Star Trek previous. Well, Paige knows how to get back on Trek ranks by covering a lot of ground <laughs> on HP, <laughs> which is sensational. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's it's the work of the writers. have They've done a, a great job in putting so much character development and uh, connection to these characters for people watching the show through 10 episodes. Um, and I think they've done an amazing job. Uh, I don't mean this is an implicit criticism of, of some other TV shows, but um, I, I do think that they've done an amazing job of highlighting character as the most important part of Strange New Worlds and yeah. the, the the plot and the and the genre changes and everything is in support of the characterization and the arcs of the characters through the course of the show. And I just think they've done it brilliantly. And so uh, as far as the, the deepening relationships of each of the characters, some of whom we've known, some of whom we haven't, um, I think that they've done an amazing job with that. So I think this is a, a, a great pick to highlight. Yeah, that's perfect. And so let's do this. I'm going to jump into my dab around pick because it's very similar. I did. I thought about picking the introduction of of characters inter- being introduced to each other because that was kind of a thread through the whole season. And what I went with as my pick was the connected character arcs across all these standalone episodes. So, Jamie, you yelled out, pick all of them, or she picked all of them. Here's my five words and a hashtag. See if you can follow along. Broken tomorrow, lost scientist hegemony, hashtag charades among Astra subspace cloak. That's all 10. (laughs) And my episode is tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. And my pick is this connected character arcs across these 10 episodes. And I... I I know this is not a groundbreaking formula. Plenty of shows have done this and successfully with story arcs uh, across standalone episodes. But I think what Strange New Worlds has done this season is as good as anyone's ever done it. I just really believe that. They have these, they, they've just featured some of the most connective storytelling we've ever seen on Trek. And I'll, I'll say that first that the episode I chose uh, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow represents just the most incredible character arc. I love this. If you've got Laon and Kirk and they've just given them so much depth and gravitas across the seven episodes here. So you've got from, from tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow to, to lost in translation and subspace Rhapsody, you get a full, just, I mean, just a meal of, the character development with the connection, the heartbreak, their friendship, their pursuit, and then resolution. And it's just really impactful for both characters. I love it. We've talked about Mabenga and Chapel and the deep bonds that they've had with trauma and their war experience. And I love the way that their experiences in previous episodes elevates hegemony and under the cloak of war makes the broken circle. So such a better episode. It's just amazing when you go back and watch uh, the broken circle 
uh, after seeing under the, under the cloak of war. And you got Subspace Rhapsody, of course, with all these reveals. Those old scientists is the crucial link in Spock and Chapel's season-long relationship where she, you know, painfully realizes that there's not going to be any future with her and Spock. And Boimler is the catalyst for that, which is just insane to me. You get Una's recruitment story. You got uh, Uhura learning how to balance it all. Ortegas is a war hero. You've got the Tendi reference with their Orions, even connecting back to Lower Deck. And we, we already joked about all the different genres we saw this season. So I've got action, courtroom drama, time travel, romance, psychological thriller, medical mystery, comedy, horror, farce, war, and musical at a minimum are the variety of types of shows we saw this season. So, and I'll, my last thing I'll say is the last five episodes of this season, unlike I think any I've ever seen in Trek make the first five better. And I just love the way that has been a part of this season. Storytelling. Jamie, what's your take? Uh, not much more to add, given that we've now covered the plots of all 10 episodes uh, of the entire season. So, But what I, what I will say is, and this is back to my point previously about Subspace Rhapsody, is that everything kind of came together into episode nine, and they must have planned that yeah. well in advance because of the lead time for the musical episode. And I'm just so delighted to see a Trek show where I think – that the end of the show was planned when they began the show and um, they knew kind of where they were going to end up with everything. And I have heard a couple of quotes from Akiva Goldsman previously about Picard saying, well, you know, some of the things we would do differently was we started writing without actually knowing exactly where we were going to end up. Yeah. And I think, and I think that honestly, as much as I love them and I do, I think that that shows on screen. Whereas I think this is the tightest written season of Trek that we've ever had. That's my my suspicion. Uh, I can't think of anything that's tighter and better than this. I, I know it's crazy, people. It's not it's not recency bias, but I agree with that statement. Uh, Paige, what's your take on this pick, similar to yours? Yeah, sounds like we got kind of a similar idea. There's just so much good stuff to talk about, and this is the thing that connects them all. And so I think it's an awesome pick. Yeah, perfect. Okay, let's get into our favorite characters. Round two. Uh, Jamie, what's your the top character of the season. Okay. Launching on the back of what we've just been talking about. Ark provides season's backbone. Hashtag Aussies represent in space. It's Nurse <laughs> Chapel yes. uh, and uh, Jess Bush playing her. I, I, I would get, um, you know, excommunicated from the, uh, you know, uh, from my Australians, uh, my, my fellow Australians, <laughs> if I didn't pick uh, Jess Bush here. Um, I should have known. Look. Nurse Chapel has a lot to do this season, a huge so amount much. to do, um, and there's a lot of depth. Uh, as you as you you've said, we 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 cover the experiences in war um, and the consequences that they've had on her in the season premiere, and then also into Under the Cloak of War. You've got the relationship with Spock traveling throughout the, the season, which really does you know provide that connection you're referring to. I think. Look, my only request would have been to see a little bit more of her and Spock together as a couple before the kind of rug was pulled out from under him in Subspace Rhapsody. But that's a very minor quibble in what is, um, you know, in 10, in 10 episodes, you have to allow for there to have been time in between episodes and you've got to, you know, you've got to have something in your headcanon about that. So uh, plus I think Jess Bush has been amazing in the role, just just a, a revelation. And uh, 
I I'd also might add in passing that she seems to have embraced the fandom significantly, uh, you know, off screen as well. She's done the cruise. She was at STLV. She's doing Destination Trek. And um, I've, I will also say that um, certainly she's responsible for my what I think is the most enjoyable, if maybe not my favorite song on the album of I'm Ready. So anyway, just a, a phenomenal season for uh, Nurse Chapel and Jess Bush. Yeah, incredible. This is a fantastic pick, and I, I should have predicted this. This is a no-brainer. She's at the core of this season, and it's an incredible performance in what she did. Oh, what episode did you pick? That's a good one. Um, <laughs> let's go with uh, The Broken Circle, um, oh, wow. because that hasn't been selected yet, and uh, who can look past uh, Chapel and Mbenga just going to town, uh, you know, with their – what did we we joke on Twitter? The um, oh, what was it? Uh, Roger Ramjet proton pills, and yeah. uh, they <laughs> right. um, they right. smash everyone up. So anyway, that 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 was a, a key moment for the character. I'm sure. I'm sure Jess Bush enjoyed filming that. Yeah, that's. Uh, I love that huge deep cut pick. Paige, what is your take on Nurse Chapel? Yeah, I absolutely love how Jess Bush is doing Nurse Chapel. I think her portrayal is so much fun. And I love how she is confident and competent and just so uh, ambitious. Um, I'm excited to see what they do with her and Roger Corby. Um, that's coming up here probably in the next yep. season from what we're hearing. Um, and wow, she just is gives such a masterful performance in every episode. So that's an excellent pick. Yeah, phenomenal. And her performance in Broken Circles, legit. It's really the final 10 minutes of that episode is... Super tight, really, really strong. Okay, let's go to Paige. What's your number two pick? Okay, um, my five words are, there's nothing wrong with you. And my hashtag is flying blind. Um, should I sing it? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my pick is Lon Noonien Singh. Fantastic. And yeah, her arc through this season has just been so much fun to watch. Um, I love how we start out with her out drinking a Klingon which is so much fun. Oh, right. And then um, all her scenes with where she's out with her friends at the bar, um, she still has her, you know, she still kind of keeps everything inside, but she's not afraid to laugh when she's off duty. And um, I think kind of the, where her arc sort of starts here is in at Astra Perispera. I love all of the scenes that she has with um, Una's lawyer, Nira. Yeah. And where she's kind of concerned that she's the one who leaked Una's identity and how Nira kind of helps set her on this path to coming to terms with her augmented ancestry and making peace with that. Um, and she says to her, there's nothing wrong with you. And Christina Chong's performance about just how deeply Lon needed to hear that. Wow. It's it's really good. That's an excellent scene. And then we see that continue in Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow, which will be my pick. Uh, for long. I already wrote it down. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I love how we get to see her have some fun and just kind of open up to Kirk, especially uh, since she's relishing the fact that she hasn't, or that Kirk rather has no idea who Khan is and that he has none of that baggage or, you know, doesn't really. Such a smart moment. Absolutely. Um, And at the end when she's, when she says to um, Sarah, the the assassin from the Romulan assassin <laughs> at Khan's door, she says, my real name is the Noonien Singh. My ancestor is Khan Noonien Singh. And his legacy is genocide, torture, and me. <laughs> and wow, that gets me every time. 
And yeah, we get to see her kind of disentangle her identity from Khan while accepting that she can't change the past and nor should she want to. So, yeah. And then the other thing I want to highlight is her solo and subspace Rhapsody. Like I said, that's one of my favorite ones from, from the episode. And I think she just crushed it. You couldn't summarize any better. That Those moments from tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, and it's just made better throughout the whole season as you kind of realize the impact. Fantastic pick. I love it. Uh, Jamie, what's your take on Law and Nguyen Singh? Agree with everything that's been said. Um might be time to change my paradigm, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> thinking about it uh, uh, as to who my favorite character is for the season. Let you me have think. To sing because, it, man. Um, I'm oh, yeah. Singing. No, no. You, okay. you, you, you still want people to listen to the show, don't you? Okay. And, uh, right. Let me let me tell you something. Um, uh, talk about uh, the internet. I read a comment somewhere, and really, I should be. I shouldn't waste time on the internet. But I was on the internet, and uh, someone said, "Oh, you know, it was subspace rhapsody. Good." Good episode, but you know, a lot of the songs were interchangeable. It wouldn't matter which character was singing which song. And I went, uh, talk about being wrong on the internet. What oh on earth are you talking about? Oh my God. And that uh, the song that uh, Laan sings is just so uh, personal to her character and the pos- and the position that she's in, and it totally relies on you. You know, you don't need to, but but it is um, the value is added by knowing where she's been previously in season one, at the end of season one, and then the experience she's had with Kirk, and it just makes it all so much better. And I'm like, oh my gosh! Uh, so anyway, it was um, great, great pick for Lan Union Singh. I love this because and and she talks. She's the one that talks about how people are losing control because of the singing. Right, the singing is making them say yes. things that they're not they, they can't control or they're, they're not choosing to reveal which okay this is a little thing but i love it so her moment with kirk is not a song because she's making the choice she's changed her abilities her internal character to have that conversation and put herself out there and risk uh, and have that conversation, then it's not a song. If it was a song, then it would be something she couldn't control. And I really like that choice that they made that just a conversation, not a song. I will, I will say this this episode is the one that um, I did watch with you. And uh, when she opens the drawer and pulls out the watch, uh, oh, yeah. you, you you made a squeal yes, that I, I haven't I actually uh, yeah. I, I haven't heard before or since. Uh, but, yeah, it was good. I was going for a laugh, and it did not happen. Nobody in the room, everyone in the room was like, shut up, dude. So, <laughs> okay, here we go. My round, two, that was a fantastic pick, Paige. Thank you. My round two pick, this was actually my hardest pick, and not because I couldn't choose from a bunch of favorites that I couldn't, like, narrow it down. It was kind of the opposite. I was like, the whole season was so level and consistent and streamlined. I was like, I don't, there's really nobody that kind of emerged in a way, I, I probably would have picked Uhura again, uh, but I already picked her last time. So with that in mind, five words and a hashtag. I'm not going to say <laughs> work so hard for this hashtag. You've earned it. Deserve it. It's Nurse Christine Chapel and Jess yes. and crazy. I picked the broken circle, too. And I do think this is a huge deep cut. We both chose it. It's it's nuts. The obvious pick here is charades. She's so good in that. She's all the stuff with Ethan Peck. And when she has to talk to the, the yellow alien and kind of admit 
her feelings and all the all the things that that uh, are going on there to fix Spock. And then she comes back and she she's going to give him his vitamins and he's about to tell her, you know, how he feels as a human. And she's like, nope, she gives him gives him the medicine. So I uh, I love all that stuff. But I chose the broken circle because I kind of teased it. The 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 fight work she does super fun and cool but the end with the her and Mabenga facing death together and jumping into space and and he says you know we've been in tougher situations where they're about to die and she's like no we haven't you know <laughs> it's really really strong performance and uh and the final moments with uh with Spock uh languishing over her are fantastic so we talked about it already a little bit but I am picking Christine Chapel as my MVP character. Paige, any other thoughts on this one? Sure. Um, she is just filling such big shoes with uh, Major Barrett. And right. we're so lucky to have more than one character who is filling those shoes. I know. And they're both doing it really well. And I don't know. I don't have any other specifics. But wow, I have really wa- loved watching this season. I'm glad you said that because I do think about that, how crazy it is that these two characters, Una and Chapel, are both continuing uh major barrett roddenberry's legacy with these performances uh any final thoughts on that one jamie very good pick jim yes. I, uh, <laughs> you know it, it, an right. exceptional pick in this particular <laughs> round yeah no i like All it right. okay well i hope you're enjoying your last appearance on track ranks after revealing my <laughs> my squeal when the when the watch appears okay let's go to round one jamie what's your number one episode this should be interesting in round one. Okay, so uh, I think we might have more duplicates. I don't know. Um, <laughs> we might five, have some duplicates coming up. Five words. Delight from start to finish. Hashtag Tendi and Rutherford live action next, please. Yeah, And it's those old scientists. And, I mean, I, I, I don't know what I can say about this that hasn't been said by everyone. It was just fantastic. Jack Quaid, Tony Newsom knocked it out of the park. Uh and and again, a little bit like Subspace Rhapsody, it was a comedy episode that had heart and character and meaning behind it and pushed the, the character arcs of the of the characters forward. Key character moments for Uhura, for Spock, for Pike, um, for Una. Uh it's directed yeah. by Jonathan Frakes. It even had a moment of love for Enterprise. You know, I mean, what what did this episode not you know what box did this episode not check? Uh, what an it was just so wonderful and uh, yeah. So those old scientists, my favorite episode from season two. It checked them all. Paige, uh, that's those old scientists. What's what's your take on on this one? Well, I'm just going to go ahead and give you my five words and a hashtag, <laughs> which are. Hot Spock agrees with me. Hashtag I love the grapplers. Um, <laughs> and I have also chosen those old scientists for all of the same reasons. It just such an ambitious crossover that hit every nail right on the head. And um, all of the moments between um, Uhura and Mariner teaching them how to kind of uh, break loose and take breaks. And I love seeing that. I love Spock and Boimler's experiment scene where everything's blowing up and Boimler's freaking out. Can we just cook some up? You please just know. Sorry. The accent is correct. We could attempt to synthesize heronium ourselves. Hot Spock agrees with me. However, we would be putting ourselves in great danger. If it goes wrong, the blast could take out half the ship. 
and there is a chance it might not work at all. Mm, that doesn't sound very logical. Okay. We need a second option. Sorry, that's I might have one like. The ancient text on the portal. Ahura's locked herself in her quarters working on a translation. Maybe she'll come up with some answers. Great. Oh, uh, you know, I have linguistics experience. Maybe I could help her. I really want to say no, but how much more damage could you do at this point? So go for it. Was this experience really? No, but it's a horror. Don't ruin this for me. I will end your life. And Boimler should work with Spock because he took an elective in material synthesis at the academy. I mean, you know, for for fun. It's, it's yeah. not. It's not like Spock needs help from me. I can use the extra pair of hands if Mr. Boimler is not afraid of losing one of them. What the? Spock smiling now? He just doesn't now. Just go with it. It's terrifying. Like it. I love seeing both of them in live action, and I think they both crushed it. Um, what a fun episode, and I will just keep rewatching this forever until the day I die. Same, and my five words in a hashtag. Their references are oddly specific. Hashtag, I love grapplers. So we had the same hashtag. Good job, Paige. My pick is also those old scientists. There's just no way to avoid it. As much as I want to give Lost in Translation some love, because I love that episode. I'll talk about it in secondary systems. It's those old scientists. It's perfection. It's truly one of my all-time favorite episodes of Star Trek ever. Okay, not to be ungrateful, but if you had just waited like... One more second, you, we wouldn't be stuck Do here. you know how worried I was? You disappeared in a vortex while I was in charge. For all I knew, you were dead or stuck in a dystopian San Francisco in the middle of a riot. Does anybody notice that the references are weirdly specific? Indeed. I'm sorry, I was, hold up. Look, I'm going to keep this like 100% profesh, but I was thoroughly unprepared for how hot young Spock was going to be. Yeah, he's full of surprises. I can't get enough of it. I... It's cool sci-fi, it's character-focused, it's uplifting, it's hilarious, it's expansive. And and by that, I mean it's got, it, it does that thing, and I always say this about Star Trek, it's, to me, Star Trek is a massive modern-day mythology that encompasses 60 years of storytelling and almost 900 episodes, which is incredibly well-connected and consistent over that span. And now, here in the middle of this, you've got, a crossover episode with Lower Decks and animated Star Trek, and it just connects it all further with both shows and both characters kind of maintaining their core elements. And, and despite kind of being showcased next to each other, they, they keep the things that make them different and unique. And it's truly a miracle the way they pulled this thing off. I mean, we could talk, we, I joked with somebody on Twitter, like we literally could do an episode on just, top five things in those old scientists and not have any duplicates. So, and that, that might be coming down the road. Incredible. And I'm going to, uh, no, wait, I'll save that for secondary systems. So, yeah, I mean, we can go on forever on this. Um, it's truly, truly special. And I love that you gave, uh, Rutherford and Tendi a shout out in your five words and a hashtag Jamie, because one of my favorite lines was after all said and done and Rutherford's standing there and just goes, they seem nice. So, which is which is such a another smart way to connect lower decks with strange new worlds that he's looking through the portal and seeing pike and just the simplest little comment he could make they seem nice just brings it all together i love it Whoa. they seem nice any final take on those old scientists and its brilliance uh jamie just one thing to note which was 
I can't quite put the timing together, but I think that this episode was written and or conceived and or shot as season one was being released or season like I, I think they had the idea for this and uh, and decided to do it before season one had even been aired in full. And so I just can't I, I can't imagine the uh foresight and bravery it took to 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 do that and to have done it so well. Um anyway, I just thought that that was an interesting thing to note. because uh, they can't have known what the reaction to season one would have been and they were already doing you know such amazing work on season two it uh really all this entire episode is doing uh of trek ranks is making me sad for the uh writers and actors strike that we are not going to get more of this amazing show which should already be shooting and we should be yeah. seeing more of it next year and um you know uh let's hope that uh the the powers that be come to the table and do the right thing and we can get back to watching uh the this amazing show yeah, our best case scenario right now is like probably 18 months, and that's best case. So that's that's uh but that's okay. I'm patient, we can wait. And you make a great point. So I don't know the the episode has certainly been conceived by the time before season one had aired uh completely because they were shooting season two before season one had uh, had fully aired. And it is it is a great testament to these writers that they Kind of were confident in what they were doing without any feedback and uh, and jumping right in. Incredible page. Any any final thoughts on uh, those old scientists? Sure. Yeah. So one thing I don't think we've talked about yet is that there's actually some really touching moments in this episode as well. Yeah. It's hilarious, but I love the pinup confusion with um, Una. Right. And how at the end she finds out that they put an Astro Perispera on a recruitment poster and just... You can tell how much that means to her. So yeah. they really balanced out the uh, humor elements with more of those like serious and touching elements. And I really appreciated that. Yeah. And the, the, I, I kind of teased it a little bit in my pick that about Boimler being the catalyst for Spock and Chapel's eventual breakup, which is truly incredible that he kind of put that seed into her mind that there was right. not going to be any end game for her with Spock. So good. Really. Incredible. Okay. Boimler and Mariner tell Pike to engage better with his crew because of his, you know, because of his future. I mean, my gosh. Who, right. I know. It's, it's so good. I know. It's a, it, God, it's, it's, it's a perfect episode. And man, we have covered a lot of ground. This is great. I got a lot more to cover in my secondary systems. So let's do it now. Let's see what you can do with the secondary systems. Jamie, any extra thoughts here on some other picks? Okay, so I've got one pick for each aspect. It. So production design, I'm going to go with to be continued at the end of the <laughs> season. Yeah. How yeah. good to see those words on, on, the, on the screen again. Uh, for creative, I've got Mike McMahon for punching up the script for uh, for uh, those old scientists yeah. um, because whatever he added was 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 great. My dub around, I'm actually gonna. I'd like to pick the concept of how they dealt with canon. We haven't really discussed it, but the way they dealt with World War Three and the eugenics wars yeah. and the interference of the Romulans, I thought that was really clever in Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. And, uh, you know, I think for all of the ways in which they stretch canon in some places, 
they clearly respect it. And, you know, little bits like Pike becoming fleet captain at the time when he meets Kirk and, and you know, little bits and pieces Fun stuff. Yep. That, that, that kind of respect the canon, even if in some places they stretch it. Um, so I'm going to highlight my- that because I think what, the tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow line from uh, the Romulan interloper, I can't remember her name, is brilliant right it's the line we've kind of needed to hear for 20 years in star Trek. totally it's future's end because future's end it's 1996 and there's no eugenics war and there's no uh well there's no eugenics war so and there's been books that kind of spin around it which is great but just to hear her say i've been waiting here 30 years and it's the timeline's all messed up but it's still happening it just delayed it just it's all still going to happen in some format or another brilliant it's really well done but you know so many people have tried to influence these events you know to delay them or stop them i mean whole temporal wars have been fought over them and it's almost as if time itself is is pushing back and events reinsert themselves and all this was supposed to happen back in 1992 and i've been trapped here for 30 years trying to get my shot at him I'm not going to stop now. So open the door. My real name is La'an Nunian Singh. My ancestor is Khan Nunian Singh. And his legacy is genocide, torture, and me. And it would be Romulans, wouldn't it? It would be Romulans yeah, doing that, for, <laughs> of course. Of course. Uh, the character, I thought I'd mention Melissa Navia, probably one of my favourite characters on the show, um, and I can't wait for them to use her more in the future. I believe she went through some some personal things that meant that they cut down her role a little bit in Season 2, and I hope that they revisit that in Season 3 and give us some more meaty uh, content because as a, as a as an actor and a character, I, I love Ortegas, and I can't wait to see what they do with her further. And for uh, episode, I had charades as well, and I hope, firmly hope, that um, episode five out of every season yes. is a Spock to Pring comedy, and mm-hmm. I'll be almost offended if we get to episode five next next season and it's not. So they they better know what they're doing. Kind of feels like that's what they're doing. We'll see. Uh, Paige, what about you? What uh, what just missed your list? Sure, I want to give a quick shout out to the slanted Jeffries tube. I love when oh, they show. Yes, me. thank you so <laughs> yes. good. Oh, that hits the sweet spot. It's so nice. I love it so much. Um, and uh, one character that I seriously considered picking is Pelia. I yes. loved her. I thank love you. all her artifacts and how warm she is. I love this concept of the Lanthanites, and yeah. I can't wait to hear more about that. Um, I love that she helps them steal the Enterprise when she doesn't even know any of them, which is so fun. Um, and she really doesn't let anyone get away with anything. <laughs> she, she'll call so you good. out. Yep. I love that about her. And yeah, um, she is just so much fun and I cannot wait to get more of her. And I, I really could have picked her. I, I seriously considered it. Um, She's definitely on my secondary system. Yeah, that's probably my biggest uh, secondary system. So. Perhaps I'll just mean it. It doesn't matter what the bulletin says, the statute of limitations passed decades ago. I checked. Is there a statute of limitations on plundering antiquities? Alon. Maybe Starfleet Security wants to weigh in on this. I'd, I'd say we should let this one slide, Captain. Okay, so, all right, stuff that we haven't mentioned. 
My toughest cut was Lost in Translation. I love this episode. I think it's really special. Uh, it's an or a horror homage, and I think Uhura is special in it. And I think the moments that they kind of really casually set up between Kirk meeting Uhura and Kirk meeting Spock and Kirk and Lon's story kind of continuing. I just think it's really, really smart piece of Star Trek. I think it's really underrated. I love it. I also had, we talked quickly about Paul Wesley as James T. Kirk. Incredible. Fantastic. I love the port galley set, the new kind of hangout spot for the crew on the ship. And then I got to say the, that cliffhanger is definitely on my list. And then I'm going to give a special shout out to Bill Wolkoff from the writing uh, team, the writing credits. He had a writing credit on both those old scientists and subspace Rhapsody. So it was him and, uh, and uh, Catherine Lynn on those old scientists. And he wrote subspace Rhapsody with uh, Dana Horgan. So, the fact that one writer has credits on those two episodes—you just retire, wouldn't you? Pretty staggering. I mean, it's a staggering it. season of Star Trek, to say the least. Yeah, it's, it might as well. It's all downhill from from here, man. Okay, <laughs> I love it. Great season. Love talking about it. We covered a lot of ground, but now it's time to get into our regeneration cycle. We're going to go through some stats and a quick recap of our picks. Computer, activate regeneration cycle. Alcoves beta and gamma. Jamie, recap your five picks. Okay, production design, the Gorn, and my episode was Hegemony. Creative, it was Tom Polche and Kay Hanley, the songwriters of Subspace Rhapsody. My Dubbo round was uh, the true Scotsman, Martin Quinn as Scotty, MVP character, the Aussie Jess Bush, you know, uh, playing Nurse Chapel. Sorry, it's terrible. Uh, Ocra Australian accent. And lastly, my favorite episode was Those Old Scientists. Brilliant. Paige, recap your five. Hey, my production design element uh, is the costumes um, with the episode charades representing that. And then my favorite creative or actor is Babs Belusan Mokan uh, for Under the Cloak of War. My wildcard double round was um, the deepening connections between these characters that we've known for years. And my favorite character is the on union sing for tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. And then my favorite episode is those old scientists. Perfect. And my recap was my production design pick was the musical and the choice to do a musical subspace Rhapsody. And my round four pick for MVP creative was Ethan Peck for Spock and Charades. My number three pick was the just incredible extended character arcs across the season. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow is my pick. Number two was Nurse Chapel as my favorite character, The Broken Circle. And our number one episode across the board, Those Old Scientists, not a big surprise, Quick stat recap. We had so we had four character shout-outs. So we had one for Spock, Laon, and Babs, and then two for Chapel. We had one duplicate and one triplicate. And then for our episodes, I mean we covered a lot, but we only we touched on six out of ten episodes. So we had one 
pick for Under the Cloak of War. And then, sorry, it's seven out of ten. Under the Cloak of War had one, and then two each for The Broken Circle, Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow, Charades, and Hegemony. And then leading the way with three each was Subspace Rhapsody and Those Old Scientists. That's not a big surprise. The three episodes that did not get picked, Ad Astra Perospera, uh, Among the Lotus Eaters, and Lost in Translation. So that is our statistical breakdown. Pretty, man, we covered a lot. I'm trying to think what we might have missed, but uh, I think we got most of it. All right. Let's initiate a temporal inversion because now it's time to hear from you. Initiate temporal inversion. Initiating. And for this week's temporal inversion, we're going to stay on theme tonight. We're going to go back to episode 157 and our Star Trek Picard season three moments. And we got an awesome list in from our buddy Ross Webster, who is on Twitter at strtrk1701 at star trek 1701 with no vowels and he's still on twitter i think kind of and that is he's a has a fully compliant trek ranks matrix list here so i'm going to rattle off really quick because some of these are so good his production choice for picard season three five words and a hashtag meet the new look changelings as in meat (laughs) m-e-a-t hashtag in the flesh and it's the new look changelings and his creative choice the speaker and the voice hashtag vox simul it was terry matt metallis being a fantastic showrunner and engaging with fans through the season i I can't get over that meet the new look changelings as a five words hashtag brilliant Dabo round, he had Sunshines from Spotless Mind, hashtag Data Lore. It's the return of Data. I love that. Character, Villainous Attacker, Deranged Insidious Changeling, hashtag Changeling of Command, and it's Vatic. And his number one uh, episode, The Napoleons of Justifiable Crime, Hashtag hero ship. And he picked the bounty, which uh, is one of my favorites as well. So fantastic list from Ross. I love it. So once again, those picks more than enough to clear ourselves from this week's temporal inversion. So as always, I want to thank everyone for all your great responses to the Trek Ranks podcast. Keep your list coming to me at Trek Ranks on Twitter so we can retweet them. But we also want to hear from you. So put together your own list of top five Strange New World Season 2 moments or a list from any of our past shows. Give us a call at the Tricorder Transmissions at 609-512-5527, or you can just record your own list and then send me a DM. We can connect that way, too, and you can send me the recording. So hopefully we'll hear from you so you can be featured on the next episode of Trek Ranks and on the next episode of Trek Ranks. Oh, my God. I thought of this topic recently, and I am so excited about it. I cannot wait to record it. So whenever a new season of Star Trek is starting, we try and align a topic on Trek Ranks with the launch of that season. It's not really like a one-for-one, but we just try to make it similar. So for Picard Season 3, we did our Wharf episodes. And a couple of months ago, we did our top five Vulcan episodes for the beginning of Season 2 of Strange New Worlds. So coming up in a couple of weeks is the fourth season of Lower Decks kicking off. So with this crossover episode behind us and a whole new season of Lower Decks awaiting, our next Trek Ranks topics, what we are going to do, I love this, it's our top five portals portaling. 
in honor of the great Bradward <laughs> Boimler getting portaled by the portal at the beginning of those old scientists. One of my all-time favorite portals. We're taking routine portal readings and making sure the portal area is free of any portal problems. Stop. How are you so excited for some random portal nobody's ever heard of? Uh, so, Jamie and Paige, if you had to choose one example of a portal portaling off the top of your head, what would it be, Jamie? Ah, uh, I've I've uh, just something that's just put. I, this is uh, shameful, but I'm I'm. Can I pick the portal that um, Captain Janeway and I think Cass has to walk through in Sacred Ground? Yeah, that's a good uh, one. Yeah, that's a that's a kind of portal portaling and uh, definitely uh, a portal portaling. Know, and and you know what what fixes Cass? Is it is it uh, hocus pocus or is it uh, science or is it? Uh, uh, who, who knows what? Who knows? That's a really interesting episode. One that uh, 30 years ago, I was not a big fan of. And today I am a big fan of it. I love it. Sacred Ground. Good pick. Paige, what portal portaling is in your mind right now? Well, you got to go with City on the Edge of Forever. Okay. The classic, of course. <laughs> Can't, you cannot go wrong with the OG portal. I... Love this pick, this topic. I can't even get my head around all the different ways to approach it. So it's going to be fun. Thank you, Lower Decks and Mike McMahon. Remember me. Remember me. Remember me. (laughs) So good. Channel closed. Reset. Subspace communications. Scrambler code Riker 1. All right. Scrambler code Riker 1 acknowledged. All right. We're going to close this episode out with a huge thanks to Jamie McGregor and Paige Thatcher. It was awesome having you guys on the show. So any final Trek Scrambler codes, either one you want to relay before we depart, Jamie. Thanks, Jim. Always appreciate an invitation onto Trek Ranks, an amazing season of Trek. And uh, thanks, Paige, for uh, joining us. It's been great chatting to you about it. Yes, Paige, thanks for uh, your Trek Ranks debut. Really appreciate you reaching out and coming on the show. Yeah, this was so much fun, and I am just so thrilled to have been here. Thank you for inviting me. The first of many, I'm sure. Okay, thanks, everyone, for engaging with us here on episode 164 of the Trek Ranks podcast. As always, I want to close by saying I'm looking forward to standing with you again here in this place where I belong. Aaron, one of you. Okay, so one time Boimler dragged me to the Starship History Museum. Dragged? You ran up to the doors. No, I didn't. It was boring. I hated it. Anyway, um, so they had the NX-01 there, Archer's Enterprise. Yeah, yeah, classic design. Plus it had, you know, the grapplers. Skip that part. They don't care. I love grapplers. See? All right. Anyway, later on in the Just want to remind everyone again that the entire Trek Ranks catalog is available for you to download and listen to at trekranks.com and on your podcast player of choice. Our episodes never get carbon data, so check out the topics you've missed and maybe just want to listen to again over at trekranks.com. And a reminder to check out our friends Five Year Mission at fiveyearmission.net. They're writing a song for every episode of Star Trek, and you won't believe how great their music is. They also have a podcast at the Trek Geeks Network, so seek them out. You won't regret it. that
is something. Yeah, it's just Sam being Sam. Sometimes he can be uh, frustrating. James, meet our chief science officer, Mr. Spock. Spock, meet James Kirk, first officer of the Farragut. Why don't you join us? I know, but I just do. He does love it.